Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast about the families all over the world who love someone with Rett syndrome. It was so lovely to sit down with Katie for the podcast. Her daughter Kendall is currently four and living with Rett syndrome. We ended up talking about a few things from apraxia to epilepsy and self-care. I admire Katie's strength and advocacy so much and I'm so excited to introduce you to her today. Here's my chat with Katie. Have you heard about Rett syndrome before your diagnosis? Never heard of it. Um, Even in Google searches of her symptoms before we knew what was going on, I never, Rett never popped up for us. The doctor mentioned it in our initial doctor's appointment. And I remember cutting her off and saying, what is that? And she didn't want to scare me yet because she wasn't quite sure. So she kind of just, gave me a generic response and kept talking. But when we left the appointment, that's the very first thing I did. We didn't leave the parking lot. I pulled up Google and what's Rett syndrome and then cried. On that, when you were Googling, what what was the first kind of things that you saw? Was it positive or was it kind of more negative? I was looking at the symptoms to self-diagnose mm-hmm. because she had given us the the script to get a blood test. Yeah. So I was looking at the symptoms and I read them off to my husband who was also in the car and I, I said to him, well, she doesn't wring her hands and she doesn't do this. So mm-hmm. she can't have this. So we were both convinced that, yeah, that's the test is going to come back negative. But um, the hand wringing started not long after the blood work came back that said she had it. So how old, how old was Kendall at the time? She was 22 months when she got diagnosed. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So pretty early from what I'm hearing now and seeing from other families in our support group. So we're grateful that we didn't have to go through so much unknown and mm-hmm. that type of worry. So we're, we're, Definitely thankful that we had the diagnosis early. How long, well, how early did you start to see symptoms in her? Um, about 15 months when she wasn't walking. Right. And we have a friend that has a daughter that's eight months younger than Kendall. And we spent a lot of time with that family. Yeah. And at that point, you could totally tell this little girl who's eight months younger is doing so much more than what Kendall does. So, and at that time, eight months is a big deal. And for her to be surpassing Kendall, we noticed that something was wrong. Wow. So say 15 months and then she diagnosed at 22 months. So it was a seven month kind of we did. Right. We started with therapies and then the, we started with physical therapy because the walking is what we weren't seeing. And then the physical right. therapist suggested we start occupational therapy because she wasn't really grabbing um, or a lot of reaching for toys. Right. Um, and at that point I was in denial and I was like, no, she doesn't need even more therapy. She's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But We started it and then realized she also should be starting to speak right now, her first words, and nowhere near that. She didn't even really do the baby babble. Wow. So my husband's coworker has a, his wife is a developmental pediatrician. Wow. And he would just talk to, yeah, just random. Um, He would talk about his 
little girl at work and this guy was seeing the red flags just as the husband of a pediatrician. So he would tell his wife and she very politely said she would love to take a look at Kendall if we'd be willing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, at that point we were willing and we trusted her and um, thankfully she was familiar with Rhett. Um, and I think she knew right away um, just by observing Kendall that, yeah, the test was going to come back positive, but she did have us get the blood work and right. get the, the diagnosis. So, yeah. Do you think that that kind of speeds up the process when you have somebody in your life that is in that field? Thank goodness mm-hmm. for these people in our lives that were there. And oh, like, yes. My parents actually are nurses and had worked with, I think one client that had Rett syndrome and she was, uh, she was in her forties at that time too. So we have these dots in our lives that kind of like they join and you're like, okay. Um, so I'm thankful that was the case for me and for you, because I think that's, it helps a lot of that stress of the unknown. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I read about little girls that weren't diagnosed until they were like five or six. And I just, it's such a range, but I'm just, I'm grateful that the, that the technology these days we can get a quicker diagnosis. Um, yeah, you know it's a blood test, and also people are being more aware about Rett syndrome because of us. We're talking about it, and mm-hmm. I think that's really good. So, part of that diagnosis, were you ever diagnosed with something other than Rett syndrome first, or was it straight to Rett syndrome? It was straight to Rett. Um, Autism was talked about, but only to say that no one thought it was autism because of how social my daughter is. And she doesn't have like any sort of anxiety or um, that behavior piece that comes a lot with autism. So yeah, doctors would just say our regular pediatrician, even when we were talking about starting physical therapy and the therapist, they're all like, no, that, that can't be it for these reasons, but we got to figure out what it is. Yeah. Because again, some people get that misdiagnosis and then you're on the the wrong train for a while. Uh I think that's really good that again, you've had people in your life saying, no, this is what Mm -hmm. it is. Let's test for it. And then you get that diagnosis. So was your diagnosis done um, by DNA, by blood test? Yes. Yeah. And how long did that take? Um, It was about three and a half weeks, I think. Um, Not quite a whole month, but she called us um, on an evening. So not normal doctor's hours. She was doing this as a favor. And um, the first thing she said to me was, is your husband around? And I knew that was bad news. And of course he wasn't. So I told her, we can't wait. You need to start talking now. And I knew he was on his way home. So when he pulled in, I just, I had this look on his face and he just started crying and knew without even having to tell him anything. Wow. Yeah. I will never forget that night. Uh, Yeah. I don't think we forget those kinds of events in our lives that that changed the course not just for you as parents but for our children and the whole family mm-hmm. um, so it's a huge thing so on on that how how did you guys cope with that diagnosis you know yourself and as parents yeah it was rough um 
we thankfully both sides of our family are very we're close with both sides and they're very supportive and the first thing my father-in-law said was whatever you guys need we are always here for you um my parents were the same way um my sister is in the health field she's not a doctor or nurse but um she's she works in a nursing home and she's always sending me like nutrition information to try to bulk her up and this cool adaptive equipment she came across and cool so yeah um it was it's very helpful to have family and friends um that are supportive of us and help us out i read so much about people that are completely on their own and i would just be in a severe depression if that were the case it sounds like you've got a really good support system around you. We do from what I've seen and what I've read. Some other families have to deal with. Yeah, we are definitely blessed in that aspect. What advice would you give other families going through the diagnosis process? Don't jump into thinking your daughter has it before she's actually diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want that devastation if it's, if the test is going to come back negative, if it comes back positive, have your grieving time. Definitely. We all need that. Mm -hmm. Um, but also remember that that's not going to get your daughter anywhere to keep that up for too long. Mm -hmm. You need to learn to be mama bear. You need to learn to be her biggest advocate and learn quickly and just start researching and, talking to other families and figuring out what to do next. Yeah. Cause all that's out there. Yeah. And I think that if you, I mean, it's good to grieve. I think that you have to do it, but if you stay too long in it, nothing gets done and you don't, right. you, you don't move forward. And that's not to say you'll never grieve again because we've, Oh no, <laughs> there's tears. There's Probably. a lot of tears. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We've been diagnosed for seven years, which is, I mean, it's, it's a long time, but it's a short time. And I, you know, I will never stop being sad about it, you know? No, no, definitely not. Just certain things that you you hear on the radio or see in a commercial or just whatever. It just hits you like, my daughter's never going to do that. Or it just takes you back to D-Day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you stay in that too long, it's not good for for you as a person or the family. Right. And thankfully, I don't have to, I've always been able to get out of that pretty easily. Like, okay, I've had my grieving time, time yeah. to move on. Yeah. Um, I know my, my sister is a lot more of an emotional person. Mm-hmm. And if she were to have to deal with this, I'm not sure that she would be able to turn that off. Um, yeah. And I see moms on the support forum the same way, like, And I'm just thankful that I'm not that type of person. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm grieving and everything, but it's nice to, to, I, so far anyway, have been able to turn that off and get back to being the mom that she needs me to be. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's wonderful. And I think that strength sometimes needs to be learned. I think, and this is the challenge that's given to us. And Mm -hmm. it comes a point where you either stay how you are and stay, in your grief and stay negative or you start to creep up and, you know, trust yourself and 
ask for help and grow as a person. So it's kind of a blessing of Rett syndrome, if I could put it that way, for people that that need to to develop as a mother or as a father or as a grandparent or to care of. Yeah. It's weird ways. My husband and I were talking about that, that Rett syndrome has given us a lot, which sound would sound weird to others, but we kind of like understand that we wouldn't be who we are now if we didn't face the challenges we had before. Have you found that you needed to educate people about Rett syndrome along the way? So your doctors or teachers? Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, I think it's hardest to have to educate a doctor. To me, they should know this stuff. We ended our relationship with her first pediatrician because they weren't being proactive in doing anything. They weren't seeing things were wrong. Um, So we ended that relationship right away after she was diagnosed and found a new pediatrician that worked well with our insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we were within the practice, found a doctor um, that was familiar with Rhett. Um, wow. That's so rare. That's been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and teachers, definitely. None of them had heard of Rhett syndrome before. A couple of her therapists have in passing or they talked about it in school, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, we've been educating everyone. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's another level of, you know, another role that you take on too because yeah, you start correcting people. People say, "You mean she's got Tourette's?" And I go, "No, it's not Tourette's. It's completely different." Yeah. Um, what is the biggest misconception about Rett syndrome that you've heard? Like, for example, the Tourette's thing. Is it the same thing as Tourette's? Is it on the autism spectrum? One of the other things I've got there is that my daughter, because my daughter's nonverbal, she's deaf. Have you, have you come yeah. across anything like that where you had to correct somebody? Yes. Along the lines of nonverbal and deaf, people don't come right out and say it, but I know they assume and they treat her as if she's, cognitively disabled yeah which we know as caregivers Mm -hmm. you can see that she's in there if you spend enough time with her Um, apraxia sucks I think for me that's one of the worst symptoms um, because people don't aren't patient enough to wait to see her response on the communication device or to wait for her to be able to tap a switch. Yeah, because just, the patience isn't there. They just assume that uh, because she doesn't do it straight away, that she's not going to do it at all, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the severity of the physical disabilities, they make them think, okay, this is full spectrum disability. But I have seen so many little things that she's done that she's totally in there and she is so funny and sarcastic it yeah. kills me <laughs> <laughs> that's so, so i think that there's a cheeky streak in um a lot of the kids they're definitely just, the kids you know and maybe the adults too but the kids want to be kids mm-hmm. uh, you know my daughter jovi she's 10 she's she's 10 years old in there she's not a baby and give her the right. opportunity that that's another misconception is that they're like babies 
than, than not. Yeah, we haven't got so much of that yet. Kendall's still in that toddler stage as a four-year-old, but I have started seeing it a little bit. Um, people still talk to her like they talk to my one-year-old son. Yeah. And that's, oh. yeah, I know that's going to get harder as she ages. What it comes down to is just being age appropriate with them because they're in there. Like, mm-hmm. so can, Kendall's four, she's going to grow. You can't keep talking to her like she doesn't understand you or that she's, she needs that, you know, extra baby or. Right. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And I find that difficult with her being my oldest. Mm-hmm. I'm new to this parenting thing and development and where she should be at. So I find myself feeling guilty when I see her two-year-old sister start asking things and thinking Kendall probably had that same question two years ago and I'm just now answering it. Um, That's that territory, right? We we don't know. We don't know until we know. And then when we know Mm -hmm. we can do better. Yeah, so I'm trying to be more cognizant of that and pay attention to other kids in her Sunday school class and in her preschool class Mm -hmm. that are the same age. And even our friend's little girl um, that I talked about earlier is just eight months different. Like, what's she into right now? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to figure all that out and see where Kendall really is. Yeah, and it's tough because you want them to be their own person but they need your help to do that. And so you've got to go kind of go along with it with them. Mm -hmm. And as much as like, they're going to hate it when the teenagers are mom's following them around and trying to be cool with them. But I think in time, one of the things we're working on is communication and trying to get her to a place where she can communicate in her own way, what she wants to do what she likes. So in time that, that will come, but for now we have to interpret for them. Yeah, communication is a big piece that we work on too. Um, And some days it's a struggle. Some days she could care less about using her um, eye gaze device. So how does Kendall communicate right now? We are still mostly in this phase of she's little, so let's try is she hungry or thirsty first? Right. Um, And if that doesn't work, we're in a lot of trial and error right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, she does have an eye gaze communication device that we are working on. Um, she's still in the early stages of learning it though. So we try to model when she's upset, I'll put her in front of that computer and say, you are crying right now, or this Mm -hmm. is you upset. So she knows those buttons and I'll ask her a couple questions. Um, but it's so hard to understand. Yeah if she is understanding like trying to explain does your tummy hurt yeah is it nothing at all like that that's bothering you right now it's so hard because there's there's so many options like it could be anything it could be nothing to do with what's on the screen too so that's what yeah find hard with um an eye gaze computer most of our issues, um, we use it most of the time at mealtime. So we're mm-hmm. all sitting there anyway. Um, she's kind of forced to look at it um, yeah. just because, yeah, we're eating. You yeah. have to sit here. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, I try to use it in other instances, like she takes it to school with her. 
um, and her aide and her teacher will model to her, um, and she uses it at speech therapy. However, I know her speech therapist is getting very frustrated because the last session, she in 30 minutes, she didn't look at it at all. So, yeah, I mean, there are definitely struggles, but we just try to um, I've been told by a couple different moms who have had a lot of success with a Toby, just mm-hmm. keep modeling and she'll start to, she'll start to pay attention Yeah, at some point. And I have seen it once in a while. Like she'll, yesterday she told me her little brother was bonkers and then she oh. cracked up laughing. Oh, so <laughs> I know she's in there and she's learning yeah. these some of these phrases or words so because I think for them it must be so hard to get their bodies to to do that for their eyes to look in certain spaces as well as it's like learning a different language Mm -hmm. I I don't know what it would be like for to try and learn a computer with your eyes as a four-year-old you know it's it's tough for them I think but we we do the best we can through modeling and just keep going mm-hmm. have faith that you know yep. it's going to catch on if it doesn't catch on yeah there are other things that we can try Kendall's your first baby yes did that change the way that you wanted to plan your family like for example yes. did you would you always did you always want a big family um but kind of like kind of rethinking that uh we had always wanted two mm-hmm. um and I think everyone hopes for a boy and a girl just so you yeah. have both yeah um got our girl. We're so happy with her. She is total daddy's girl. Um, and then got pregnant with number two before Kendall was diagnosed. Um, so the family plan was in place, whatever. Um, by the time she was diagnosed, I was seven and a half months pregnant. Um, and when we saw the geneticist, um, they, gave us pretty good reassurance that this uh, new baby wasn't going to have it. Right. Um, so that was awesome to hear cause that was scaring me. Mm-hmm. Um, but after speaking with the geneticist and, um, we opted not to get tested. I mean, what were we going to do at that point anyway? Mm-hmm. But came out, we have another girl. So in the back of my mind, it's a little scary to I held my breath for the first several months to see how she would develop. Yeah. Um, but then she just certain things she would do. She was grabbing so much quicker than Kendall um, ever did. And just the crawling started and I was just, just little things came and it was like, okay, she's, she does not have rut syndrome. This is okay. Yeah. And then she started interacting with Kendall and I saw the joy it brought Kendall. She was just in love with her little sister. Um, And I just, one day I thought to myself, okay, they love each other so much, but her little sister is never going to be able to call Kendall on the phone when they're older to have Kendall give her advice on something. Like I do with my sisters all the time. So I don't know why that thought popped into my head, but it did. And it made me cry. And I was just devastated for the rest of the day. And I brought that up to my husband that night. And I said, um, maybe we need to start thinking about 
having another child mm -hmm. for both of our girls. Yeah. So Kendall could have that joy again with another sibling and her sister Daphne could have um, the experience of ha having a typically abled yeah. sibling. And I was fearful to bring that up because we had always discussed just yeah. two. Yeah. But he didn't say no. So I kept asking <laughs> till I got an okay out of him. <laughs> so, How long did that take though? Yeah, um, not long because I like to have a plan and be organized. So I wanted to know soon yeah. that, yeah, this is going to be happening because if, I, yeah. if it was going to happen, I wanted it to happen soon. I wanted our kids to be close in age. Yeah. So I just kept like dropping hints throughout probably a week long time frame. And oh, wow. I said to him, one, yeah, it wasn't long at all. No. And I said to him, so you're not saying no whenever I bring this up. Mm. So I'm going to take that as a yes. Kind of just gave me a little smirk. So I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm going off birth control. It was a huge surprise to all of our family and friends though, because yeah. they had kind of known, we had made it known to them that, two were done but then we weren't yeah no that's it's, I mean that's very similar to our story too we were two two is our limit we had our son first and then we had our daughter Jovi and then we got the diagnosis and I we kind of thought I don't think we're done yet because of that sibling bonds like I'm very close with my sister and I you know I'd want my son my older son to experience that and to also mm -hmm. think about his future and Jovi's future, I think it would be very lonely for the older sibling to and to have that responsibility because we're not going to be around forever and I would want right. as much family around Jovi as possible. And, mm -hmm. and because, like, I, I didn't feel I was quite done, so we, <laughs> we ended up having our third, I think, um, my older son is 12 now and my little one is six or so six years apart. Um, okay. But um, ideally, we would have wanted them closer, but we it just we weren't diagnosed until Joby was three and a half, so it was a bit it was okay. A anyway, but I totally I totally understand what you're saying about wanting your you know the sibling that sibling bond to have a typical experience, and I know that's it's nobody's fault that it's you know we're not going to get that typical experience, but now we have the opportunity to build our family and create the family that we now want and. If you can, and if you're lucky, then it happens. And um, yeah. So, so you've your third baby. How? What's the age differences? So Kendall's four. Um, Daphne is Kendall's four and a half. Mm. Daphne's two and a half. Um, and Brody just turned one. Three under two five. <laughs> how are you managing having three kids under five, but also one with Brett syndrome? It's crazy. Um, the hardest part is having to carry Kendall and my baby boy around because yeah. neither of them walk. Um, I've definitely gained some strength and yeah. burned a lot of calories. That's a good yeah. thing. I like yeah. that. I, I can eat sure. junk food all day. <laughs> yep. I can eat junk food all day long and don't have to exercise because I'm never sitting down. Um, yes. <laughs> My mom came to me last winter and she said, are you okay health-wise? Like, you're losing weight. Like, oh, it's visible. Oh, like, mom, 
you should see how I eat. I'm, I know why I'm losing weight because yeah. I don't ever sit down. Um, I'm constantly, I'm basically Kendall. I'm her body for her. Yeah. So yeah, whenever the she other two up, are playing a game. In and yeah. out of the car, you know, mm -hmm. up and down, feeding, around. diapering, yeah. bathing. Yeah. She's yeah. getting heavier and playing. Playing yeah. is the piece that people don't get. Yes, she needs that care of the feeding and the diapering and the toileting and all that. Mm -hmm. But she also needs help to play. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that. Um, even sometimes family and friends, um, they just think you can put her in the same room as other kids. Yeah. But that's not fair. How would you like to be basically tied to a chair just watching everyone else have fun? And that's what it's like with Rett syndrome. She doesn't have control of her body at all. Mm -hmm. So you need to be with her to maybe if they're playing rolling a ball back and forth, you help her with that. Yeah. Or if they're playing with dolls, you do hand over hand it's not just, it's not fair to have her just sit there. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, my mom asks me all the time, how do you get any housework done? Well, <laughs> when she takes a nap, yep, that's basically it. Or when daddy gets home from work and is able to do something with her, like I'm not going to take the time away from her to go do laundry. That's not fair to her. What is your advice to other parents deciding to have another child? after a Rett syndrome diagnosis? Um, I would say you can't be afraid. We're, um, we're Christian, mm -hmm. so I believe that God has a plan for you and you can't do anything about it um, except trust him. And I encourage it whenever I can when I see people questioning whether or not because of the joy I see that my daughter gets from her brother and sister. Yeah. Um, they love each other. And even as a two year old, um, my typically developing daughter at two and a half has, is asking me, can I feed Kendall? Can I give her a drink? Can I help her do this? And that's not something that I'm forcing on her at all. I've never said you need to do this. Yeah. She sees what I do and she'll crawl up in my lap and say, can I give Kendall a cracker? Oh. And Kendall will just laugh when her sister yeah. tries to help her with something. And they're just, the joy is there and it's real. And you, you need to give your kid that, that love and that feeling. Yeah. I think that it's, it's scary living with Rett syndrome and, all the bad things that come with it, but there is so much good out of it. And um, I, I always say to people to not let the scary things sway your big decisions like this. Because right. There will always be bad, but there's always a lot of good. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's in your heart to have another child or add to, add to your family in some way, then no regrets. I think you've got to do it. Yeah. Of course, yeah, everybody's different, but I think that's my advice is if you're asking the question, then I think that it's still in you and that you, if you don't do it, there's going to be a lot of regret. You're going to regret. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, um, I totally agree. Because I when you know so you're done, you're done. Like you're like, that's it. I, I cannot, yeah. there is no way I can do this. And that's just what it is. But I think that if you've got that inkling and you're, and you're asking people on Facebook, strangers, about what to do, I think that you were kind of already made your mind up in a way. Yeah. I never really thought about it that way, but that's so true. Like I know right now we are done. I could not yeah. handle more at yeah. this age. Yeah. Um, but with the two, it was just, if it's in there and that's a feeling that you would get if you didn't have, um, a child with Rett's syndrome. Absolutely. I feel like uh, like yeah, it's it's more about are you done or not versus mm-hmm. am I done because Rett syndrome's in the picture now. Yes, Don't let that sway you. I agree that Rett syndrome. Put that aside for a second. Either way, yeah. Are yeah. You, are you willing to have more? Do you want more? Is your body ready for it? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you you know all those things come into play and Rett syndrome, yes, it's going to be difficult a life with Rett syndrome, but you're going to have a difficult life either way with, with or without more kids. So mm-hmm. I love, I love seeing the Rett syndrome kids with their, their siblings. We've had the same thing where her little brother was feeding her when he was, you know, 18 months, really young, seeing us do it. And that's just all mm-hmm. they know. And it's, it's just a joy. Like, there is a lot of joy out of it. Don't regret one thing. No, no, not at all. Life's crazy, but we're having fun. Kendall doesn't have seizures, or does she? She she has had them, yes. Um, She's been seizure-free for a year and a half. Amazing. Um, She she is on a seizure medicine. Uh, She takes a pill every morning and every night. But her first, she had a month of just a lot of seizure activity but once we figured out the meds we haven't seen anything since then that's amazing Um, what did you know about the seizures um with Rett syndrome before they started were you kind of expecting them you know did someone tell um, you i was yeah yeah we were told to expect them um i read a lot about when they started and a lot of things said between three and five um, she turned three in January and we were still good. She was really hadn't gone through a regression yet. Um, so good April or no, it was March, late March came. So two and a half months after her third birthday mm-hmm. and she was at her grandparents' house and they pulled in my driveway when they weren't supposed to be there yet with her. Oh. and just started walking up to the front door and both had these somber looks on their faces. And I just knew in my heart why they were there. And I opened the door and I said, she had a seizure, didn't she? And my mother-in-law just looked at me and nodded and I brought her inside and I just hugged her and cried. Um, and we talked about, okay, it was one, like how long was it? What did it look like? Um, I don't think we need to go to the ER quite yet. If it's just one, let's see what happens. But then she started having them like every 10 minutes. So we went to the ER um, and we live in an area where we're an hour away from a children's hospital. Mm. So our local hospital does not like to touch kids. Mm. So they just ship you right to the children's hospital. And their form of shipping us there was a helicopter. Wow. She got to ride in the helicopter. Dramatic day. Good big day. Yes. 
Yes. Um, she ended up continuing to seize between five and seven times a day for like two weeks. Yeah. And that was just absolute hell. I don't know how families do it when they do that constantly. Um, but thankfully, we got on the first medicine obviously wasn't working. So um, it takes some time to wean off of that and start another one. Wow, but as yeah. soon as we started a new one, we've been seizure free since the first day she took that med. So wow. we're very thankful. When she was first um, flown over to the kids hospital, did they do any testing to um, determine the seizures first? Or did they just, um, they viewed what she was going through? They viewed what she was doing, yeah. um, and thankfully the neurologists we saw were familiar with Rett syndrome. Oh, wow. Um, her neurologist that we see has had other patients um, with Rett syndrome, two or three, um, I think she told me. Wow. So she's very familiar with the seizures, and she shows real excitement every time we see her that there hasn't been one since then. So she knows what, what to look for. And, so we're thankful in that aspect of having a good neurologist. Yeah, having a good team around you, like a good medical team, um, yes. it helps because they've seen it before. Uh, maybe not exactly the same way, but at least they've got um, a plan for you and it, yeah. it makes you feel a bit better rather than yeah. you know, going to somebody who has no idea about Rett syndrome. Wouldn't yeah, know. they went to medical school, not me, so I don't. I don't feel comfortable being the ones to educate them. So well, we like right. doctors that are familiar with Rett syndrome. So they started her on that first medication straight away? Yes. And then um, you had to wean off it, obviously. Yeah, it worked for about a week. She didn't have a seizure. Mm -hmm. But then they started coming um, more frequent, um, and they wouldn't stop. What so kind of seizures night um hers are convulsive i don't know all of the terminology yeah um there's a lot because we haven't had a lot of experience yeah, yeah. um but she shakes with them um yeah. but there have only been her longest one was under 20 seconds wow okay. so we've never had to use our rescue medication to stop them Good. never had that issue but yeah yeah, they're I scary. think they're very scary. I, um, I think what you're describing is what we call grand mal or tonic-clonic seizures. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of experience with that and it's, it's been horrible. Yeah. What kind of support plan do you have around seizures? Like for our case, because Joby goes to school, she's got a management plan, so everybody around her knows what to do when she has a seizure. Have you had to educate your family about epilepsy as well now? Um, yes, my in-laws live right down the road from us. So they were with us through that and got to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, my family lives a few hours away. Um, my sister came out to help me during that seizure time. Mm -hmm. Um, and she got to experience it too. And I, I know it scared her. Um, wow. yeah. my parents have never seen it. Um, okay. so I know if it happened in front of them, they would be very freaked out. Um, mm. But my in-laws were awesome with it and stayed calm and just kind of 
were there and were helpful, whatever Kendall needed or we needed. But the education piece, like all of her uh, therapists and teachers know, and her therapists have all been trained um, what to do if one of their patients has a seizure. And her aide at school, she has an emergent plan as well, and there's a nurse at the school. Are you worried about the seizures daily? Does it stop you from doing things? No. No, we're out far enough from them that um, they don't affect our everyday lives at all. Um, I do think about, like, when we're traveling, I make sure the rescue med is with us. Um, Other than the medication, the daily medication, um, we don't worry about them. We just know how important that is and Mm -hmm. um, make sure it gets in her... um, but other than that, no. Thankfully, that's good. Rett syndrome hasn't affected how we have been living our lives so far. That's fantastic because it can really hold people back. I've read a lot about, yeah, like half the family goes on vacation where mom and the girls stay home. And yeah, we haven't had to do that yet, thankfully. That's good. I think if you can keep that up, you know, do do you what have the life that you always were going to point that you're going to have you know mm-hmm. that you planned and it's for as long as you can because things you know things can change not going to be negative but things can be changed so if you can yeah. do today and keep that going um, yeah I think it's fantastic for all the kids all the kids that you have mm-hmm. and for yourselves uh, yeah so far so good on that part do you think you're taking care of yourself I do Um, I don't feel completely overwhelmed or too stressed out with my son, him being so small right now, every time he has a doctor's appointment, they're always asking about postpartum depression and never had anything like that or any sort of depression that came along with Rett syndrome, thankfully. Um, and we do get support from family and friends. Um, my husband knows when I need a break and is good about giving me that break. Um, So yeah, I haven't, haven't had any major issues. I think that's rare in some cases because it can be really stressful, especially you've got three little kids. What do you do to take care of yourself? So when you have that time to yourself, what do you, what do you like to do? Um, (laughs) Most of the time, yeah, just sit down and do something mindless Mm. Um, because, like I said before, I don't sit very often. We're just running around constantly, chasing a two-year-old and carrying Kendall around and the baby. Um, So sitting, yeah. Um, If I can read a book, that's a blessing. (laughs) What's that like? Yeah. (laughs) A book? Um, couple times a year I'm able to get out and do um, proctor SAT exams. I have a friend that is a guidance counselor and she is the one that gives the exams. I get to do that I think four times a year and I look forward to those because it's six hours of quiet that I just get to sit and make sure kids aren't cheating. (laughs) And read a book. Oh, wow. So that, 
Yeah. <laughs> so four times a year, I get to do that. <laughs> that happens four times a year? That's yeah, they do. They have nationwide test dates. So you have to sign up for these times throughout the school year when when these tests are administered. And Okay. So it's, yeah. it's kind of like a little planned holiday for you in some way. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, here it comes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. My husband and I have had discussions as well about starting to take time for the two of us too. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we've yet to do that with the diagnosis, but we're starting to understand that we need that it's time important. too. Yeah. Yeah. So while she's healthy enough that we feel comfortable yeah. leaving her in the care of grandparents, yeah. um, we need to start taking advantage of that. Even if it's just an overnight trip somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've, We've started talking about that. I think that's super helpful mm-hmm. um, and important to do. Yeah, I think that a lot of people get lost in it. And I know that it's been the case for my, me and my husband, but you get kind of get lost in the caregiving and the parenting and then the emergencies and then, you know, yeah. your own jobs and, and everything that, that you kind of sometimes put it aside. But I think that it's important to pay attention to that. And not mm-hmm. let it slide um, because before you know it, it's five years later, 10 years later, and you haven't worked on it. And it's, it's something that you have to work on. Yeah. I totally believe that you have to take care of yourself in order to be the best caregiver for your daughter. Yeah. So I'm absolutely. trying to keep that in mind day to day and just, it's okay if she sits and watches a TV show for a while while I yeah. just go and have some alone time even if I just walk outside for a couple minutes (laughs) yeah oh my favorite thing is um watching sunrises and sunsets and I know that it's a bit cheesy to people but um it happens every day it's like a couple minutes I can go outside for myself and it's free anything that you can do for yourself I think that's really important and to yeah not to forget yourself or the people in your life Mm -hmm. What are you most grateful for when it comes to Kendall? Her smile. I read about meltdowns, anxiety, and um, if you haven't had to deal with too much of that, I mean, she does have her meltdowns, and it's like, what does she need? What does she want right now? Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully, they're usually pretty short, um, and, and people come up to me um, all the time and say, she's just they ask me, is she happy all the time? And I can say for the most part, yes, she is. Um, so yeah, her just, she's got an infectious smile. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine how just the simple things kind of make the day. Okay. And you can keep going yeah. that. Um, was there anything that you wanted to, to talk about? in particular or to let people know about Rett syndrome and about Kendall or about yourself? Um, just with regard to Rett syndrome, mm-hmm. it's not a cognitive disability. And I know we already talked about that, but if I can hit that home all day long, every day, I will to people. They're in there 
their brains are functioning just like yours and mine. It's just this other crap that they have to deal with on top of it. Um, so cognitively, you can't treat them like they have a cognitive disability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other big thing is, we already talked about this too, the sibling thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much love and joy. And if you're having any sort of should we or shouldn't we, I'd say go for it. Because I, you don't want that to be one of your life's regrets, I think. There's, right. There's either, there are no regrets when it comes to bringing more love into the family and Actually, one of the, I think this, one of the scarier things for people is what happens if my next child has a disability too? How am I going to cope? And my answer to that is that you just do. Yeah, you do. You'll learn the same way you learn to cope with rat syndrome. You'll yep. figure it out. You will figure it out. And you'll figure it out quickly and slowly and then quickly again. Mm-hmm. That is life and that's what you give them. So you yeah. kind of you know rise up to whatever that you've been given. Right. Thank you so much to Katie for sitting down with me for the podcast. This talk with Katie was actually the first one I recorded for the series. So after chatting with her, I knew I was on the right path and that I wanted to get as many stories recorded out there as I can because I knew others could gain such good advice and inspiration from these remarkable families. Thank you again to Katie for being so open with me. Please make sure you let people know about Remarkable. Share our Facebook and Instagram posts about each episode and get in touch to let me know what you've learned about Rett Syndrome along the way. Wherever you are in your Rett Syndrome adventure or if you're listening to this podcast to learn more about Rett Syndrome, thank you so much for listening.